Hey moms, welcome to the Gather Moms podcast. My name is Kate. And I'm Rebecca. We've created this space just for you because we're both moms and we get you. Yes, we believe there truly ain't no hood like the motherhood and we need to be in this together. We also believe we can't mom well without Jesus. So you're going to hear us talk about him too. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Gather Moms and make sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. All right, mamas, let's jump in. Gather Moms community, Giving Tuesday is here. If you love Gather Moms, will you take a moment to click on the link in the show notes or go to givingtuesday.com and search for Gather Moms and make a donation? We are asking 50 moms to give $50 to help us reach our goal of $6,500 to continue to encourage and resource moms. Thank you for your generosity. Now let's jump in. Hey moms, welcome back to the Gather Moms podcast. We are so excited today to have Amy Davison with Mama Bear Apologetics with her, with us. Um, We had her on, I mean, was it more than a year ago? I feel like it was. But we had her on a previous episode and you guys just loved it. You just raved about it. You wanted more. And so as we're doing this Mind Your Motherhood series, we thought it was a perfect time to bring her back on, especially as we've entered the grade school, middle school. Now we're starting to talk about high school years. One of the big things of navigating this season of motherhood and the world that we live in is the issues that they're facing uh, and these complex issues that they are having to deal with. And so we want to talk with you about that. But before we jump into that, Amy, um, we just want to say hello. Glad you're here. Well, thank you so much, ladies. I love being able to come back and chat with y'all. So tell us a little about you. Tell us about your what you do, your family setup. Yeah, so I work ministry-wise with Mama Bear Apologetics, which is a wonderful ministry to equip anyone who is involved in kids in any way, shape, or form to be able to understand why they believe what they believe and to articulate that to their kids so that their kids are able to communicate their faith and stand firm, whether they're in homeschool or public school. And it's just a great tactical approach to to parenting a discipleship that perhaps we didn't get as kids ourselves. So it's a wonderful ministry to be a part of. And, you know, we're, we're here, we're part of Lake Point ourselves and, and have our family there. And, and so it's just been wonderful to connect with you ladies and be able to, to bless the area that we're planted in. Well, and you got to share your big news because last time you were with us, you only had three kids. I know. And now I've got four and it's so exciting. So I've, I have three boys and they're teenagers. So I'm in that amazing teen boy crazy phase. And now uh, we have a little girl, which is just whoop, whoop. phenomenal because I get to buy pink stuff. Yes. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Boy clothes are cute, but I'm sorry. The girl stuff is just it's ridiculous. Way yes. Oh my gosh. And it, there's accessories and it's so <laughs> expensive. It is. And, but you justify it like it's horrible. It's like, I'm going to look like trash today, but you lady are yes. going to be styling. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. We're so happy for you. I think it's amazing that God is giving you like another round of kid raising with this brand new baby girl. And just what a sweet thing for your big boys to have this little sweet thing to love on and dote on. It's been fun. And it's it's really neat because, you know, they've gotten the opportunity to kind of 
practice a little bit of fatherliness, which is fun yeah. to see each of the boys really take on. And it's been amazing too, because, you know, when, when you've got just all boys, you, you view the world through a boy mom mm -hmm. lens. And now, uh, when, I mean, it almost happened from the moment they told us we were having a girl, you, your worldview shifts and you're like, oh my gosh, how is the world reaching my daughter? And it's totally different than what, how they're reaching boys. And so it, in a way it's, it's humbling because you realize, okay, now I even have to shift my approach. Mm -hmm. And how am I going to teach this to my girl in a way that I, I don't teach it to my boy in this exact way, uh, because the world is different and how it reaches. So it's, it's amazing too, just from that discipleship standpoint of, okay, with our kids, we do have to shift our approaches based on if we've got boys or girls, their personalities. And so it's, it's been, uh, it's been neat to be able to meditate on, okay, how are we going to approach this in a few years when it starts to come up? Yeah. Love that. Yeah. And are you a homeschool mama? I was homeschool mom. I've got my kids currently in public school. I've taught in a private school and we're actually this time around, we're thinking, well, you know, we might do the homeschooling route. Okay. We got to kind of see. So that's one thing that's been unique about this year is my oldest, he's in 10th grade and he encountered critical race theory in yeah. school and yeah. it was taught in a classroom. And so we're like, okay, this, you know, we, we, we addressed it and discussed through it and it's awesome, awesome opportunity to have great discussion with my son. Um, but that's something that was kind of another sort of nudge to where my husband and I are like, well, what are we going to do with Maddie now? Yeah. Are we going to do homeschooling? So we'll, we'll see. I, I feel like what you are saying is where a lot of parents are, mm -hmm. where we're, yeah. we're just, it's, you're constantly evolving, uh, evaluating because of the way things are evolving. And yeah. I, you know, even for us who have been public school all the way, we're at a place where we're kind of going, okay, this year we're re-upping with public school, yeah. but it's, it's on the table more than ever to consider other options, um, really based on the conversation we're going to have today. And hey, since you mentioned critical race theory, can we start there? Yes. Yeah. Would you yeah. define for us, here's what, here's one of the things I feel like with critical race theory. I think that uh, the language around it is very confusing and mm -hmm. to different people, critical race theory means different things. So how would you define critical race theory? I am bringing up his slides right now. So okay. yeah, it was one thing that I I knew was going to come down the pipe eventually, but I wasn't expecting it day three of school. <laughs> yes. I was like, really? My son had come home and he was like, hey, mom, guess what we learned? And it was in English class. Guess what we learned in English? And I'm thinking, you know, he's going to be reading Shakespeare or having to write poetry and that sort of thing. And then he goes, no, we learned critical race theory. And I'm like, oh, seriously? You know, it was one of those things wow. that we hadn't we hadn't had an overt discussion about yet. Uh, and so that was one of those to where we always encourage moms to be both proactive and reactive because you're not always going to catch everything. So this was a moment where I got to be reactive. Okay. And I think with, with us as moms, you know, our first impulse is to be like, that's it, you know, Swedish convent or super conservative <laughs> homeschool. That's, that's where we're going. Um, and so I actually, I, I just, okay, well, what did, what was discussed? And, and um, I took a day to to really formulate how I wanted to approach this because especially with teens if you come out the gate guns blazing you can potentially scare them off yeah. and so I just I wanted to to thoughtfully engage and what was amazing is there were slides that the teacher had provided so my son was like oh here's the slides I'm like great can you text awesome. this to me I'd love to read over them and so 
So I was able to look over the slides and what I would encourage is parents, if you are in this situation where something like this is, in, is encountered in the classroom, what you can do is reach out to your local ISD office. They have a curriculum advisor that's right there and you can ask, hey, this subject is being taught in class. I would love to know what perspective this subject is being taught from. Wow, that's Because good. if we... If we are just teaching it from a worldview perspective, like, hey, this is what some people believe. This is why they believe what they believe. I am all for that because yeah. that's good critical thinking. Yeah. We are able, if you're able to freely, are the kids being able to freely engage and debate the pros and cons of what's being taught? I got no problem. However, if it's being taught from a, no, this is true, this is what you have to accept and promote, right. then, okay, then we have problems because now we're not allowing thought, we're not allowing critical evaluation, and we're forcing kids to embrace an ideology that is completely counter to mm -hmm. scripture. Yeah. So reach out to your ISD office and then reach out to the teacher themselves and be overly gracious. Yes. I mean, because you can never interpret tone on an email, right? And so if you can go in and be like, hey, um, my son's in your class. He mentioned that this was being taught. Can you just tell me a little more about what you're teaching? What are your resources that you're using, the books that you're promoting? And and why is this subject being caught I would or taught? I would just love to know. Thanks so much. If you want to call, here's my my cell phone number. That's I mean, great. just be over gushing with grace. Amy, you don't. This is so practical and so good. So good. <laughs> yes. You. Yes. Yes. Good. Uh, and you know, and it was one of those things to where if we come out and are just like, oh my gosh, this is wrong. How dare you teach this? What you do is you close down a relationship opportunity. Mm -hmm. yeah. And what was amazing is the teacher reached out. We were able to chat on the phone, which was great. And what it was is her curriculum. They are reading books like the. The Holocaust Memoir Night. They're reading Frankenstein, um, Antigone. There were a couple other books, and it all has to deal with justice and improper bias. And so, what she had done is she just Googled, How do I teach justice? And of course, this is what came up. So, there, it wasn't a nefarious thing. She was just trying to best teach justice. So, okay, no harm, no foul. Wow. So, it's one of those to where, man, if I had freaked out, like right. initial impulse, right, you know, I would have totally overblown the situation mm -hmm. and I would have closed down a relationship but with that teacher. I would have been the crazy Christian mom, you know, nobody wants to be that mom. No, we don't need any and of that. <laughs> yeah. And so, okay, so that's practical tips on what to do. Love. And then how how we did it with my son, which I can even send you these slides if you want. Oh, yeah. So uh, we just went notes. slide yeah. by slide and okay. evaluated the truth claims in the slide. So here we go. An introduction to social justice. And the definition they give is achieving justice for all in terms of personal liberties, opportunities, and distribution of wealth across society. So that's how it was described. And it's like, okay, so, but wait, how do we get this term justice? And how is that achieved? Because if we're having the same end point for each person, the same ending, so think of it like a race, you know, e equality is everybody starts at the same point at the race and then boom, the gun goes off and everybody runs. There's going to be winners. There's going to be losers, but everybody had the equal starting point. And then you have equity. Equity is equal result. So that means it doesn't matter if you finished first or you finished last, everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets the pizza party. You know, that's equity. So there's a difference there. So we were able to discuss that, that wait a second, if we're going to achieve this 
implicit understanding of what justice is, which is an equal result, that's actually going to require the infringement of other people's rights. Because then now my money is going to have to go towards somebody else who potentially uh, is choosing not to work or whatever the situation may be. And so we were able to discuss this just point by point to where like distribution of wealth across society. I was like, Jake, what is that? And he was like, well, wait a second. Isn't that socialism? I'm like, yeah. So we were able to talk about socialism, communism, and even here, uh, what I what I really want to point out is their definition of bias. So under critical race theory, you don't have right and wrong. Uh, you have this understanding of bias, which is a tendency to favor a certain thing, person, or an idea compared to another. So what this does is completely obliterates the idea of objective truth, because now truth does not exist. You just have your bias. And what that means is now everybody's bias is on equal footing and whoever is most oppressed, well, that's the one who's now right. But again, we now have to ask, okay, what is oppression? And so this was just a great opportunity for us to discuss, wait a second, how do we know that social justice is true? Because technically, by this definition, it's really just a bias. And so does that mean we should accept it as objectively true? Absolutely not. And so just being able, and there's, there's tons more, like I I I mean, there's so many definitions on what describes prejudice and discrimination. And so we just went point by point and had just an open discussion and he's been able to chat with kids at school about it too. And so it's been, it was a great learning opportunity. So I'd love to ask you, because when I first heard about critical race theory, the context I heard it in was, hey, we need to relook at how we're teaching our kids about the history of America and how things happened. Because essentially, what we were teaching in the classrooms, you know, was, I don't know a better term for it, but the whitewashed version of of what happened. So when I first heard about critical race theory, it was like, hey, let's make an effort to make sure that the perspective that we're telling our kids about what happened in the United States actually includes the black perspective and not just that, you know, it was these white educators that wrote these textbooks. So for me, when I first heard that, I was like, okay, well, that makes sense to an extent. But then it seems like maybe, I don't think that's the full definition of what's happening with critical race theory. And then it has seemed like it's evolved into this nefarious thing. Right. And so I think what you touched on perfectly encapsulates kind of this this bait and switch that happened. Because like you were saying, okay, we need to teach the Black perspective. 100%. We, we shouldn't teach that. But there was this hyper overcorrection to where, yes, some of history, you know, may have been the only the good side was presented or only the noble aspirations, whereas maybe the the wrong decision making or abusive tactics were glossed over or ignored. Uh, So we would want those to be incorporated so that way we could see the different sides. But what critical race theory does is it actually hyper focuses on the negative and actually elevates this false worldview of everything is racist and Mm. every system of authority is inherently racist, especially if it's headed up by white men specifically. I'm just going to say right now, if you're hearing a little bit of whining, I've got my newborn in the background. She's a little unhappy, but my my uh, babysitter has her. So just in case you're hearing the fussing, that's what that is. We love it. That but is welcome I, It makes here. my heart so happy. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? Like if you could see my shirt right now, you'd see spit up. And yeah, it's we keep it real here at the Gather Moms podcast. Exactly, that's right. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> so so what critical race theory does is it it's actually a false worldview to where 
the the sin of the world is essentially being white. That is the ultimate sin. There's this standard of oppression called intersectionality. And however many boxes you tick is how oppressed you are, which means how elevated you need to become. And the the only way to achieve salvation is essentially to achieve forgiveness or uh, get forgiveness from a, a an African-American person. So if you, uh, and there's a great resource if you're interested in studying this more, it's called the Center for Biblical Unity. It's run by Krista Brown. Trager and Monique Dusan. I'll get the I'll get the link out to y'all. And they they just it, they cover this so well on how you have to essentially achieve forgiveness from a black person, but it it's not something that you maintain because you could do something, you could say something, uh, you could uh, you know kind of do a microaggression of your perceived privilege, and then all of a sudden you've fallen out of grace. So it's nothing that you actually maintain. And the only way for for justice to be served is if um, the oppressed people group rises up against the oppressor. So it's very Marxist in yeah, nature. Yeah. And the rules and are always ever shifting. The definitions are shifting to where even now within critical race theory, you not only have to try and elevate African-Americans, it's you have to elevate, promote, endorse, embrace, and defend the LGBTQ community. Right. Otherwise, you even lose your standing as a quote-unquote good black person uh -huh. so jason whitlock he's a podcast host um he he runs an amazing podcast african-american man and he is very frustrated especially with crt with that aspect he goes wait a second why does my blackness now have to hinge against these other ideologies so even me i i can't even maintain my own basically nationality or credit within our community if i don't embrace all these other things so it's yeah it's it's a very broken worldview but it sounds very attractive because it allows individuals to kind of play the savior role, play the hero. Well, let's advocate for the people who are oppressed. Yes, that's great. We should. However, we first need to ask, is this actual oppression? And are the ways in which I'm seeking to alleviate this oppression actually good, helpful, and if they're true? And if they're not, well, then we've got a problem. We're jumping on a bandwagon here of a false worldview that is direct, directly contrary to the biblical worldview. And a lot of folks aren't seeing it. Wow. Well, <clears throat> and as a mom, like I already feel overwhelmed. All the words that you just said, right? all the things that you just said, if I am not someone that's very knowledgeable about it or read a lot of books, I would, my kid would come home and I would feel helpless. So what would you say to a mom of a teenager that her kid's facing it in school or wherever they might be? Do you say, hey, study a little bit, read up, figure out, you know, what the truth is behind this? Or would you just send them to another resource to say, just take this information and feed it to them? I would say you would want to study it with them together. So perhaps the first question is if they come home from school and they say, hey, mom, we're learning about this. One of our first questions should be, okay, what resources are you going to? Because where they're getting their information, everybody's got a an outlook. Everybody does have a bias, mean their own perspective on it. And so depending on where they're going for information, they could have a very balanced view or it could be a very one-sided view. TikTok is notorious for being incredibly one-sided, but they hyper-focus on emotions. And so our kids could be caught up in this emotional appeal, which yes, we can empathize with emotion, but we should never let emotion stand in the place of truth. So ask, hey, where are you getting this information from? Have you seen videos lately on this subject? And then go and watch the things that they're watching or survey the content that they're surveying. Um, I was able to look at some slides, uh, 
We've seen some TikToks before. And then don't be afraid to take some time to do a little more digging. Like that Center for Biblical Unity, she's got podcasts, she's got blogs. Uh, it's, it's a great place to take a few moments to refresh yourself on some things. And then don't, don't feel bad about interacting with your child on this. Like, oh, they're using the term justice. What do they mean by justice? Or what is meant by oppression or equality? And just have a good discussion with them because what that does for our teens teenagers is that says, Hey, you know, mom and dad, we, we are nurturing you as our child, but we also want to launch you into being a healthy, well-thinking adult. And so as teenagers, we get to now shift from kind of making decisions for our kids to now helping our kids make decisions and sort of being alongside them, walking alongside them, sort of like an on the job training situation. So do research, discuss, listen to podcasts together and pause it and be like, hey, okay, this point was just made. How do you think this would be received in the material that you read or the video that you saw? You know, these are all just great ways that you can study yourself as well as helping your child along the way because you don't have to know everything to have good, fruitful conversations with your kids. So as an overworked, you know, mom who is running on the Holy Spirit and coffee, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, Satan loves to say, well, you got to know everything and you don't know enough so you can't disciple. No, ladies, that is just a way that Satan tries to silence you and instead, nope, we're going to look at a few things, just pick one thing. Let's just look at justice or let's look at this concept of equity or how does CRT view the family? Because originally the Black Lives Matter movement on their statement, kind of like their statement of faith, it's basically the pillars on which they were establishing their their movement upon. They have since taken it down, but they were very clear at the beginning before they removed it, that they were all about obliterating the, the static family units. Wow. The mom, dad, children, no, all of that needs to be obliterated because that's just a form of privilege. And so instead we just need to embrace all forms of family, which yes, we need to build up our community, but to destroy the family unit, which points back to God's relationship to the church, that's deeply problematic, especially within the Christian community. If you came to the Gather Moms podcast live event, you know you got to eat Cane's chicken strips and fries and didn't have to share it with your kids. Did you know that Cane's donated that to our event because they believe in all that Gather Moms does for mamas? They want to help your organization too. If you have a golf tournament or fundraising event and need prizes or meals, reach out to Canes by going to canesandcommunity.com. All you need to do is create a profile, complete the information with how Canes can support you, and someone from their team will reach out. Canes loves to help the community and they want to hear from you. Go to canesandcommunity.com today and let them know what you need. Now, back to the show. Well, I think what you hit on that I thought was really interesting is you talked about emotions. And I feel like a lot of what's happening in our world today is emotionally driven. And so I love what you said about taking time to research yourself that you don't have to engage in that moment because your kid may come home emotionally driven from what they've been taught. You may become emotionally driven from what you didn't think was being taught. And so I want to know what you think about that idea that the world is trying to manipulate the feelings and emotions of our students almost to portray that truth is um, relative, you know, like it's however you feel that day. Absolutely. Because it's an easy way to manipulate our kids. They It basically turns our children into puppets like marionettes that can be manipulated. And 
it starts out because that's that's how our kids start thinking. I mean, when when our kids are little, they react emotionally. That's that amygdala part of the brain. It's that emotional, oh, this looks fun. Let me jump off the couch or, you know, do this thing. And, you know, as a parent, you're saying, what were you thinking? And the kid goes, oh, I don't know. And they're being 100% honest. They genuinely weren't thinking because they were reacting emotionally. It seemed like a good idea. So why not go and do that? And so that's just the normal way children are taught or how they think, I should say. But then through um, through trial and error, through discipleship of the parent, kids learn to think critically, which is that prefrontal cortex part of the brain, which develops later. Um, with boys, it doesn't finish developing till age 26. And so girls develop a lot sooner, which is why girls always seem more mature than the boys do. It's just because their prefrontal cortex, that good critical thinking, that's the part of the brain that says, that weighs the future implications of the actions they're about to commit. That's, um, that's what that part of the brain. And so, um, if our culture can groom kids to only think emotionally, to only react react via the amygdala, well, then they can totally co-opt them into all sorts of false ideologies. And yeah, every time we deviate from God's design, there has to be a place filler. So we have, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis calls us uh, our God-sized hole. You know, when we pull away from God, our thinking can become futile or it will become futile. And so we have to find this alternative standard for what determines truth. And it's always going to be a, a warped, flawed view because it's not aligned to, to God, who is truth. And so with our world, their place filler is emotion. Oh, if it makes you feel a certain way, if it makes you feel good, then it's true, right, and moral. If it makes you feel bad, well, this is harmful. This is false. And our culture today has completely shifted into we no longer have truth and falsehood. We have truth and harm. Mm. And the reason they're hyper-focusing on harm is because harm elicits that I want to rescue. I would need to immediately stop this. If, the, if something is hurting or harming you, I mean, we parents know this, we want to rush in and alleviate that pain. However, if we don't have a proper understanding of what harm actually is, well, then we could stop something that's actually good. I mean, there are doctors will will do procedures that hurt like crazy, but are the pain is necessary for us to actually be healed in the end. Yeah. However, with false worldviews that hyper focus on this false determining of what harm is, well, then we can actually not only silence the Holy Spirit, we can ha encourage kids to walk away from God because something doesn't affirm their feelings. And so that's why with kids, especially when teenager hormones hit like crazy, we can say, look, feelings are real. What you're, what you're feeling right now, I understand it. Yes, it's happening, but is it true? And that's where we shift that thought process from amygdala to prefrontal cortex is what I'm feeling true. Does it affirm who I am in God and, and my image bearer status as made in the Imago Dei? Does it align with truth? And if not, okay, well then this thing that's emo causing this emotional reaction, we need to now keep it in check. So there's a great quote in our first mama bear book that says, um, Emotions are a great check engine light, but a terrible GPS. Yeah, that's and that's what good. we need with our kids yeah. is to recognize, baby, your emotions are a check engine light. That's to say, okay, what is causing this? Why am I feeling this way? What's true? What's false? How do I healthfully and biblically respond to this? And if I'm feeling overwhelmed, who can I go to for help? Yeah. And good. so that's that check engine light rather than saying, oh, this is a GPS because that's what TikTok and Snapchat and all of those want to elicit in our kids is, oh, you feel 
emotionally stirred up by this. Well, cool. Let's just run with that. And now you need to be an advocate and you need to help out and, you know, uh, go along with this movement that could potentially lead them away from God. Well, it's so interesting that you talk about that, especially when you think about how social media speaks into it, because, you know, let's say a kid innocently comes across a TikTok that's talking about one of these issues, but they watch it or they drop into the comments to see what other people are saying, or they go check out that person's account or something. Now the algorithm is feeding them more and more of that content. And so it can become this like, oh, this is the message. This is what everybody's thinking. This is what everybody's believing. And it can start to feel to them like, okay, this is the accepted way of thinking about this or believing about this. And it becomes ingrained. You know, I, it's so funny because I I experienced the same thing. Like I'll be watching TikToks and something happens in my life outside in like in real life. And I'm like, Oh, I saw it on a TikTok. Like, because that's how you do, you know, you're, you're fusing these things together. And so if your feed becomes about these political social issues or gender or race, then it just starts becoming how you view and see the world and see interactions. Absolutely. And you, you highlight something so perfect. So, uh, you know, for Mama Bear, we're, we're doing podcasts ourselves and we were doing research on the Israeli-Palestine conflict yeah, I saw that. and we were watching TikToks. And one of the, one of the ones that came across was this, you know, very attractive young influencer. And she's saying, look, regarding this Palestinian issue, you have to be silent. You have to listen to what the Palestinians have to say. You have you cannot question our tactics on how we deal with our oppression. You have to now speak for us and advocate for us. And this is actually directly in in uh, CRT. So how do you make a difference under the section of how do I make a difference? One of the things it says is to subscribe to and follow social justice-based organizations on social media. Wow. So now what kids are being told is one, don't question anything. And if you're ever a part of any organization where it says you cannot question what we do, okay, well, there's a problem there. Um, (laughs) Red flag number one. But that's what they're telling these young people is do not question. If someone says they're oppressed, then they definitely are being oppressed. Mm. And you probably are part of the problem, especially if you haven't advocated for us, because then you are silently complicit with what's going on. And so they're saying, be silent, Listen to what everyone's saying. Do not question the tactics, meaning the way in which they deal with their oppression. You cannot question how we how we address it. And you have to get on board with us and now advocate and protest. And it's crazy because you'll even watch the news and you'll see in uh, interviewers asking people, oh, why are you here? And all they're doing is quoting slogans because they haven't thought critically. Instead, they're reacting emotionally. Many of them are. And, the, and then when you look in CRT, which it says, okay, now for you to be part of the solution, you have to now tailor the information you are receiving from a pro whatever stance, a pro CRT stance, a pro Palestinian stance. And you now have to get involved. Uh, another thing it says is you have to, you know, go to these companies and organizations, give them your their money or your money, protest with them. I mean, that's what's being told to these kids. Yeah. And so you you basically you have to drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. And what's crazy is when you look at the formula of it. It's, it's very cult-like in nature. Okay. It's, oh, you can be part of the solution. Um, 
uh, only if you do these things, only if you don't question, only if you embrace everything we tell you. And we're constantly going to be shifting the goalpost into what you have to agree to. And if you question it, well, then you're tossed out. You're uh, you're ostracized from the community. And for a kid, especially oh, our yeah. children, uh, one of the big differences with our generation and our kids is, is they've never known a day of their life without social media. And social media is highly tribal. And our kids are groomed to want to not only gain followers, but to be accepted within that group. So, so many kids will, without thinking, just follow along like the Pied Piper and say, oh, you're right. I'm going to go along with it because I don't want to be an oppressor. I don't want to be a bigot. I don't want to be part of the problem. And so what we do as parents, our responsibility is, wait a second, is this actual oppression? Is this actually a solution? What actually is the problem? And stopping for a moment and helping our kids think through the situation, which takes longer, but it is vital because we are never going to be able to keep the world out of our kids. We have to engage and equip our kiddos to navigate within the world. Mm -hmm. And to do that requires them to be able to effectively wield the armor of God. And that requires training. And so that's why we as parents, we were proactive about what we know is coming. And then we healthfully and biblically are reactive to what ends up coming in so that way our kids see a proper example of how to handle uh, contrary issues and contrary worldviews, and then how to healthfully and biblically navigate that situation within their own social setting. That's good. That that was one of our questions we wanted to ask, because I think even in a, a godly biblical family, you're going to have your kids come home and have this idea that's not biblical, that's not true. And yeah. so as a parent, what do you do? Do you shut it down immediately? Do you give them some space to explore it themselves, almost like hoping that they're going to come back to the true conclusion? Or do you change your tactics and try to approach it differently as a parent? What would you encourage our moms to do? Tactics all the way. Because if you if you allow your kid just to explore it on their own without guidance, then, uh, then what you're doing is you've basically they're in the battlefield right now and you are abandoning them on that battlefield Okay, and you are not helping them alongside. Whereas what our kids need is for us as parents, we got to recognize that our kids from the time they're little, they're on the battlefield. It just is marketed them in different, easily accessible ways. And then what we need to do as parents is come alongside them. And we are, we are stronger. We are wiser. We have had more experience and time within the word of God, more than likely to where we can go out and say, okay, what are you encountering? Okay. How do we react to that situation? And then there are times where we, as parents, we step in front of our child and take the battle head on ourselves and say, Mm -hmm. okay, my little one is not emotionally developmentally ready to act within this setting. So don't be afraid parents to step in when needed. Um, I encountered a a grandmother who her eight-year-old granddaughter came home and said, well, I, I want to be a boy. I'm, I'm actually a boy. And the parents went to the school and said, what is going on? We do not affirm um, using different pronouns or transitioning our daughter. What happened? And what ended up being the case is this was an only child who now went to public school for the first time and was no longer the center of attention. So she was feeling a bit left out. But her teacher would throw a party every time one of her students transitioned. They would have a transition party. And the little girl wanted a party. And so the grandma was like, what do we do? And it was like, okay, in that situation with this little girl, 
um, she she's emotionally vulnerable. She I, I had asked her. She's a very empathetic child as well. So I was like, in this situation, this would be a good situation to pull the child out of school for a time because yeah. she needs foundation. She needs a firm foundation. Um, right now, she's emotionally vulnerable and she's in a setting that is going to cater to those emotions to manipulate her into a false worldview. And she is not developmentally ready to handle that yet. Wow. So pull her out but strategically equip her with a foundational understanding of who you are, what is male, what is female, um, build her up in that setting to where, okay, maybe at a later date when she's more, when she understands the worldview better, when she understands how to stand firm and who she is, then maybe she can go back into that setting, uh, and, and be fine. But, um, it's one of those to where we, as parents, we have to be aware of what's going on and be aware of our personalities of our children, and then be bold enough parents to step in and pull our kids out when needed. Yeah. So I've, I've encountered, uh, another story of a, of a 13 year old girl who, decided, oh, I'm going to transition. And it turned out it was because her friends started transitioning. So there's yeah. this cluster case scenario. Uh -huh. She had been going online to a lot of these uh, Reddit boards and Quora, Quora boards that were saying, oh yeah, if you feel uncomfortable in your body right now, it's because you're trans. And no, it's you're 13 and going through puberty and yes, puberty's awful. Like right. Nobody is comfortable at 13. And But the argument sounded good to her. So her mom had to not only pull her out of school, but she also had to remove the phone because the girl was going on to, and just immersing herself in this culture. Right. And within a matter of weeks, the girl snapped out of it and she was like oh you know what i i completely got pulled into this and no i'm i'm not actually a boy i understand that i'm a girl but she was just caught into the wow. trend and what's popular and what was affirming her feelings and making her feel special and unique because our kids you know they they want to stand out but they're competing against the world. And so it's very difficult to stand out when you've got a cell phone that connects you to billions of people. So you have to now take go to extreme lengths to stand out. And so we not only interact with the ideology at play with our kids who uh, are encountering it and who are good enough at uh, reasoning the, the truth and the falsehood, but we also need to be bold enough as parents to exert our parental rights mm. on protecting our children and saying, okay, baby, I love you, but right now you're in a situation that you're in over your head, you're struggling, and me as a parent, I got to pull you out. Mm. Uh, this We will revisit this later. You know, I loved how you mentioned earlier about how every year you revisit, okay, am I going to homeschool this mm -hmm. year? Great approach. It's no, for this season right now, we're going to pull out. We're going to focus on this more. We're going to help you. Um, maybe there needs to be some counseling for some emotional struggles. Um and, and being able to be bold enough to do that as parents, don't let the world strip you of your parental rights. You can step in and protect your children because God gave you your children to disciple and shepherd. He did not give your children to the government. Okay. Yes, oh, girl. Say yeah. It. Yes. Get it. Wow. Well Get done. It. No, I think that's good. I think that is so helpful for us to remember that exactly God gave me these children and I don't need to surrender my rights to this ever-changing world. Um, you know, I just hate it for our kiddos. This is not something we had to deal with as kids. You know, like right? I wasn't having to make a decision about if I was a boy or a girl or if I was mm. like – developmentally like we I think people understood we don't need to be making those decisions That's right right That's now right. and now it's like the adults in the world are advocating to even help these children make these decisions it just is so 
It's so hard. You know, I think when we think about the major issues facing our kids right now and how we help navigate them, you know, we, we hit race right out of the gate. That's a huge one. And then we've just kind of bopped in here on gender and, you know, sexual, what do we call it? Preference. Uh-huh. And, you know, I have a, I have a, Caleb and his friend group has somebody who's, you know, considering what she is or whatever. And so yeah. I was just asking him, how do you navigate it? And he said, I had a conversation with her and told her that I, you know, I don't agree. Um, but that I, it doesn't mean that I can't, we, we can't be, fr- I can't be friendly with her. I can't be nice right. to her. Um and so he, but he's having to navigate things. I just hate for him to even have to be yeah. having these conversations. But I, I was proud of him. But I think it's just, then when it gets down to the nuts and bolts, then when she starts putting in the group chat, oh, I'm interested in this girl. Um, mm-hmm. That is the piece where it starts getting really tricky as his mom monitoring his texts. And then for him yeah. and how he even responds to, you know, and he and he really just kind of lays out on it, but it's you know it's not like you're like yay, we're so excited, <laughs> so great for you to have this opportunity. Yeah, yeah, no, and it is it is hard because you know we all of these things that biological reality of male and female that was taken for granted, and now our kids are are being coaxed into this you know, from, from toddlers. And I love uh, pastor Josh's last sermon just last week, because uh, this is something that we've, we've seen for years is this is a worldview objective. The goal is to destroy any evidence to the existence of God. And one of the loudest testimonies of that is in our body is our very existence. So of course we have to destroy that. Because what that does is when we can remove God, well, then we can set ourselves up as idols and our feelings now become the filter for scripture, for truth, for worldview. And if it doesn't affirm our feelings, well, then we can toss it out. And it's it's this false idol to utterly warp and corrupt this next generation. And, you know, if we as parents don't speak up and disciple our kids, I mean, just like we see in Judges too, it in one generation, they will fall away. And that's why in Deuteronomy 14, 10, you know, we are, God commands his people. He goes, train up your children uh, in the way they should go and they will follow after me. Well, this train up is the word lemad, which means training with the implication that it will be put into use. And it was a tactical phrase. It was used every time the Israelites went into battle is they were supposed to, uh, and it was two parts, is they were supposed to be in complete reverence to God. Because if you're not following God's command, you're just telling him to keep up with you. It's probably not going to go well. Mm -hmm. So you have to be in complete submission to God. And then you also need, for lack of a better phrasing, tactical butt kicking skills. You yeah. need to know how to navigate culture. Yeah. And so that's what we as parents are commanded to do is to engage our kids to interact with culture, which means we have to be having conversations that we do not want to have yeah. with children yeah. at ages that we're like, you are way too young to be knowing what this is yeah. or to be experiencing this or having a friend wrestling with this. But this is the world we're living and God put us in this world at this point in time for a reason and a purpose. Yeah. And so what do we do? That means, you know what? And we need to be discipling actively our kids how to navigate this situation. And it and it really expands how, you know, these conversations are not a one and done conversation. This is lifelong discipleship that is ever shifting depending on what their friends are going through. So if we have our, if we are 
watching the kids' texts and being uh, aware of what's going on in culture and even asking, hey, what are your friends going through? What have you heard lately? You know, we can then stay abreast of what's going on better than if we were completely blind and not interacting at all and helping our kids navigate these situations so they can show Christ to their friends because they're going to have more opportunities to do so than we will. That's so good. Hey, she mentioned Pastor Josh's sermon. Um, we do go to Lake Point Church, and we will. I, I feel like that was really fitting for what we're talking Agreed. about here. Yes, so we'll absolutely. drop the link to that um, in the show notes too, so that you can listen. And Amy referenced so many great uh, tools and resources, and so we'll make sure that you have those in the show notes too, moms. Amy, we're so thankful. We're so thankful for the work that you're doing in this space to help empower parents um, to take back the conversation, to have ownership. Um, that we take back our kiddos uh, and don't leave them just to the wolves to figure this out on their own. Thank you for helping guide us in this conversation. Um, we're, we're so thankful for your time with us today. Oh, I'm so grateful to be able to be with you ladies and to share. And yeah, this was wonderful. Okay. And I just want to say as a mom of teenagers that feels sometimes very out of the loop, it is so right. kind of you to do all the research and study and so that when I go to your resources, I can know that you're someone that loves Jesus and loves kids. And so moms, I just want to say to you that, you know, if you feel like you don't know what to do, then find resources like this, like Mama Bear Apologetics, mm-hmm. where you really can go and feel equipped and feel knowledgeable. Because if you were just to go into a library and try and find a book, it would be so hard. You don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what you're going <laughs> to yeah. get. So we cannot say enough about Mama Bear, Mama Bear Apologetics. It is a place where you can find the truth of God's word, but also practical ways to implement that in your home. Yes. Thank you so much, Amy. Thank you, ladies. We're so thankful for Kane sponsoring this episode. And for our daily toast today, we want to toast Mama Bear Apologetics. We are so thankful that there are people out there doing the research for us. And because they have a biblical worldview, we know that they are coming to the truth. And that truth is what is helping us um, as moms equip our kids with the truth. So we just want to give a toast to Amy Davison and her team who do so much work to prepare us for what's happening in our world right now. 